I want to talk about the freaking LeBron James commercial that runs twice in front of every <laughs> freaking movie at Cinemark. You pay us a lot of money for that. <laughs> My God. I, I Usually when I'm in Chicago, I get there early, like early, early because of the train. Right. And it's I've seen it, I've seen it three times in some movies. I'm like but you just don't understand that it's the thirstiest time of the year. Oh, trust me, I do. <laughs> I'm a homosexual. I know how thirsty it gets this time of year. Welcome to the Everyone's a Critic Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zero. With me, as always, is professional film critic, Sean Patrick. And our guest this week is Cousin Jeff. What's up? Live in studio instead of on Skype this time, <laughs> or if you want to call it a studio. Uh, visit us at IHateCritics.net, Everyone's a Critic Podcast.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Our handle is CriticsPod. Uh, we are new to YouTube, though. I put like 99 episodes out there, so subscribe to the channel. Uh, like the channel, give thumbs up whenever you feel like it. If you get <laughs> bored and wanna, <laughs> do you check the some of the analytics? Not yet. I was looking at the views and like there's a bunch of zero, zero, zero. Then there's one that we called. I think it was the 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 Quiet Place episode, which is just called Silent Sex. Like a hundred <laughs> views on it because <laughs> we put sex in the title. I'm gonna start doing that with my YouTube channel. How sad is it that people are searching for sex on YouTube? Have you read the comments on YouTube? <laughs> That's the kind of people that are on YouTube. Well, that's not what you search for it. <laughs> if you're just specific in your search and your incognito Google, you can find anything you want. YouTube, you're not going to find it. YouTube's the second best uh, social uh, search engine out there behind Google, though. <laughs> there's no porn on YouTube. Oh, there's porn on YouTube. There is. It just it's like it just gets taken down. It gets get taken down views. quickly. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you got to be on there all the time. <laughs> Hence the comments on YouTube. <laughs> what also gets taken down is anything that's licensed. So I'm wondering, I don't think, I mean, the images I just grab off a of Google image. I try to make sure there's two or three of the same one and then I go for it. Yeah. But I mean, I could see that happening and being an issue in some of our old sound clips and stuff. If that ever came back up, but we'll see. But anyway, we are on YouTube. If you prefer that, uh, I don't know what else there is. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Alexa. Subscribe to the show wherever you listen to it. Rate and review the show. It helps with all the algorithms and whatnot. And then Patreon. I hate critics on that slash Patreon. the best way to help support the podcast. We also have our merch tab that is at IHateCritics.net. Uh, the winners of the t-shirt contest are currently uh, it's Cameron Diaz's shoulder in Batman versus Jesus. Uh, Although I have a really good idea for uh, Willem Dafoe's suspiciously large penis, really. (laughs) Which we'll we'll talk about after the show, but (laughs) yeah, I do every week about uh, Willem Dafoe's penis after the show. I mean, I want the Batman v Jesus shirt. I like the Cameron Diaz shoulder and the even the penis one. It's like, would I wear it? (laughs) You'll wear the penis one. (laughs) 
I've had people like send me messages. I have an idea for a penis, a pe- uh, curiously large, or was it confusingly large? I can't remember the <laughs> acronym or the whatever the adjective, yeah. but uh, you know, it could be a shirt at Spencer's. I'm like, yeah, but it's not. So. <laughs> my uh, sister won't take my nieces into Spencer because of some of the t-shirts. So. <laughs> I take my kids into Spencer's because <laughs> they hate going in there. <laughs> Largely due to the Chucky doll that's in there, having never seen Chucky. Uh, news this week, we'll start with the banker. It's getting canceled. Apple's not, or at least they suspended it indefinitely. Yeah, uh, what do you do? I mean, the, the person that apparently, one of the people that's producing it and uh, who's related to somebody who's based the movie's based on uh, has apparently been accused of sexual assault. Yeah, he shares the name with Anthony Mackie's character. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Just Which, write it into the show. <laughs> I mean, they may have. I mean, that might have to be the go back and reshoot something, or I don't know. But I mean, normally I would say, depending on who it was, you know, you, you know, it, find a I way think, to. I think the problem you run into now, because we I don't know if we've seen anything quite like this, is that. Is, is that this guy, no matter what form you put it out in, this guy's going to profit from it. And that's what's going to bother yeah. people is that this guy's going to be enriched if you do release, do release this. Right. But I would say, I mean, if it was just any other co-producer, I mean, you have a lot of people that are involved in this movie, so you are hurting more people than you're helping by spending. However, on this one, it's just really weird because he shares the same name. There's a lot of weird things that are going on to this particular one, unfortunately. But, yeah. I don't know if it'll ever. I mean, make, I'm assuming at some point it'll go somewhere, but uh, it'll never. You're not going to see it on mainstream at all anytime soon. Not it'll likely. end up on YouTube. <laughs> Trailers, uh, Call of the Wild. What I, a piece of garbage! <laughs> Sorry, I had to just get in on that because what a piece of garbage! This looks like absolute trash. I agree. It's Harrison Ford and a CGI dog. I, the only way I'm going to get th- I got through the trailer was pretending it was like a side adventure of Han Solo and Chewbacca. <laughs> I kept waiting for that dog to talk. I was just waiting for it to oh, talk. Could you imagine Harrison Ford in a talking dog movie? What did I tell you before you watched it? <laughs> it was Harrison Ford going full Dennis Quaid. <laughs> that's the kind of movies he's been making lately. And I guess Kevin Costner has done it. Uh, Kevin Costner has played the dog, though. Doesn't matter. Yeah. I just, it was just like, too, the everything about it was too much CGI for me. Mm-hmm. It was like, it doesn't, you can tell it's CGI. No dog looks like that. No. It just—it was like. Hmm. I mean, it was almost Roger Rabbit, like yeah. different. Yeah, he. You know what? Better idea. Roger Rabbit, animation, Harrison Ford, live action. Do that. All that heartwarming crap in the trailer. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! Just hammer you over the head with it. <laughs> yeah, that's. He does, he's never believed in anyone the way he believes in you. Oh God. Yeah, I, you know that dog doesn't know what the fuck you're saying, right? <laughs> Neither does Harrison Ford. Well, that's true. He, he's doing TV, and he's do, he's playing this p- garbage human being, uh, Michael Peterson from The Staircase. Did you guys ever? No, I've see never that? heard of this. It's a true true crime documentary about this guy who killed his wife. That I've heard of, but I've never heard anything and about Harrison Ford. He yeah, he it was just announced the other day. So I was thinking, I looked up. I'm like, wait, I thought. I, for a second, the way he looked, I thought, is he playing Michael Peterson on, in a movie or on TV? And then I was like, oh, wait, no, he's in that dog movie, Call of the Wild. But 
Yeah. He's n- nearing the end of his career, shall we say, <laughs> obviously. No life, At least too. Gene, Gene Hackman had, a, had the good sense to retire before he made a dog movie. I was going to say something about Sean Connery, but there's Zardoz <laughs> sitting out there. I just wonder how much money they put into this. Because one, you got to pay Harrison Ford. And two, CGI is not cheap. <laughs> and they did a lot of it in this movie. Yeah, it looked like almost everything was. Right. There's no way they get those any of those running dog shots. Yeah, at least Charlie's Angels was only $50 million. They're not going to lose <laughs> that much money. Uh, Sonic. Well, it's a better look. Yeah. That's still don't I care. still don't yeah, I don't give a shit. I never I, played Sonic as a kid. I have no connection to it at all and that voiceover is not doing anything for me. But uh, you know, you know what's weird though is that James Marsden has a way of being good in stuff like this. Because he's always in stuff like this. <laughs> I mean, he's kind of what Dennis Quaid ended up being later in life. Except for, like, visually, being an artist, visually, it's better. I had an Atari 2600, and I had a PlayStation 1, and I played, like, three games on Atari and one game on PlayStation, and I was done. So I never played this. It holds nothing for me. But when I saw the original Sonic face, I was like, holy shit, what the frick is that <laughs> and now i'm like oh okay it's it's better i'm still not gonna see it i probably won't watch another trailer you know it's funny there's the the reaction that now people are the the internet is coming around on this movie now because there's a lot of people saying you know what they listened to us they changed it because we told them to yeah we've got to get out and support it I, are they saying that we gotta get out and support it thing or are they just they're behind they, the trailer they're literally <laughs> saying that yeah we need to they they did this they spent 30 million dollars to change it we need to go out and support it and they do. I mean, if, that is cool. They listen to them, I guess. Uh, and I don't know. Fan service seems to work. Uh, I don't know if it'll make money. Is that a dig at Josh? It's a dig at Star Wars uh, Force Awakens. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. They didn't change anything in that movie to make the fans happy. If anything, they did more to make them upset. Well, well Force Awakens? Are you t- um, Last Jedi was the one that upset them. Force Awakens was, they could have just called it fan service. Can I, can I um, in the spirit of Frozen 2, let it go. I mean, I... It's I, fun for me. No, 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 not you, not you, not you. Um, I read uh, I read a headline, because I just can't do it anymore, I can't. Ryan Johnson talks about Knives Out and Star Wars, et cetera, et cetera. And it was just Twitter vomit and a couple people that i know that i'm like when did you become this person i'm just like let it go it's been two years if you don't like it you don't like it shut up yeah i mean a friend of michael from galesburg doesn't like it uh he doesn't talk about it much unless i bring it up or whatever (laughs) but he just says it's a star wars movie for people who weren't real big star wars fans because it's it's it just starts going in its own direction, which I don't know. We don't need to talk about it till later on. There's another one coming out. Well, I won't be here for that one, will I? If you want to keep talking about Last Jedi, we can. Um, it's my favorite Star Wars movie. I, I happen to really like it, and I'm a huge Star Wars nerd. Hey, Josh liked it, too. I did. Yeah, I did. It's just, it's the let the past die, kill it if you have to. That's the theme of the movie. And people can't do that. 
they have to hold on to their, you know, 40-year-old action figures like I do, but that's where they're they're at and they can't move past that. And I you know, they these are the same people that hated the prequels, I guarantee it. Oh, I'm sure. George Lucas raped my childhood. Shut <laughs> the fuck up. But it's just like with music, any band that's been around for a while, you know, like five or six albums in, it was like, I hate that album. And then they'll go to the concert and go nuts when that song comes on, you know? And then the next time around, they like that album, but they don't like the next one. It's a, yeah. it's the same thing. In order for Star Wars to really continue to put out the content they're putting out, they got to right. They got to advance the story and I mean, yeah, recycle I mean, it. Carrie Fisher died. Mark Hamill's not going to be around forever. Harrison Ford is clearly at the nadir of his career. <laughs> so, you know. Get me out of the Star Wars. I got to go talk to a dog. dog. <laughs> talk to a dog. That's the name of this episode. <laughs> what if The Force Awakens is why he ended up doing this movie? Because he was so done with Star Wars. He had moved on. And then, he, you know, it's like, came back. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to start doing things again. <laughs> well, he, he had moved on. 40 years, you know, right. after he wanted to die in Empire Strikes Back. So I'm very surprised he came back for The Force Awakens. I feel like, you know. I am more surprised he did the dog movie. I, that really does shock <laughs> me because he just kind of has that, you know, the, no, I'm good. <laughs> or <laughs> at least he appears disinterested sometimes. Like even in Anchorman 2, <laughs> as good as he is, he's like, he doesn't know where he's at. <laughs> he hadn't seen the other one, but it works. He actually looks like he's trying and called the wild to me. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, cats. Meow. <laughs> Even my niece is a huge Taylor Swift fan. Loves her. I said, "So are you going to see Cats?" And she's like, "I don't know. I think this might be a misstep for her." She's 13, <laughs> and she says, "I think this might be a misstep for her for her career because it, she really looks really weird in it." I'm like, they all do, except for Jason Derulo. He's right. somehow kind of still hot. Um, he kind of looks like a rock star as, dressed as a cat. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, have you guys, um, the show on Hulu with, uh, it just came out. Uh, I am completely blanking on the name, but Beth Grant, do you know who she is? The character actress? I do she's not. Been in, she, she's been in tons. She was in Donnie Darko. I you know, you're, you're, I want to talk about Sparkle Motion. That lady? <laughs> she plays a cat lady with a giant cat head. Oh, I, is this doll yeah. face? Doll face, thank you. Yeah, I watched one episode of that. Yeah, and that's still better cats than these cats. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be around an award season, though. Uh, you need that musical every couple I, of years. I'm, I'm getting an Into the Woods vibe out of this, though, and that was a real piece of shit. <laughs> really? I, ne- I never saw it. Really rapey Johnny Depp. Oh, so just Johnny Depp. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't really want to see it. I suppose if it's in the award conversation, I'll have to at some point. But That's probably the only way I'll see it, if it gets nominated, because I try to see all the nominated films. But I just I look at this cast, and it it's one of those movies where I'm like, this is such a good cast. But why are they all dressed like that or CGI'd like that? Yeah, it's, it's really weird. And then you throw in James Corden and uh, Rebel Wilson. I like both of them for what they do, but they do kind of. That's kinda, all they do. Right. It, it 
takes us down. I mean, it takes it a little less seriously when they're in it. I think maybe they'll be great. I don't know. But even in the trailer, they play themselves in there. Even if they weren't there, could you take this seriously? (laughs) (laughs) It would. No, not really. But it, it definitely makes it more like, okay, they're. I don't know. It just it seems like miscasting. Like I wouldn't put them in this movie. Yeah, I, uh, I just I watched uh, Lee Biz again this week because uh, I'm writing about it, and uh, Tom Hooper directed that, and everybody thought it was going to be a disaster, and it's one of the most incredible movies I've ever seen. So I keep I keep trying to hold back on Cats and try and be positive about it, but they keep putting out these trailers, and they just look like garbage. They just they, I can't get past how silly everything looks. I feel like it's it's one of those movies that the trailers look like garbage, but you'll eventually see it and you're like, oh, why did I sleep on this? But the trailers look like garbage. <laughs> yeah. So I don't want to see it. I was sitting here I was sitting here thinking like that, but then Jennifer Hudson's gonna sing memories and I'm gonna fucking lose it because yeah. she's amazing. It's memory. Hello. Whatever. <sighs> see my mom listen to that crap, so I'll even if it's great, I'll just be like <laughs> <laughs> Although, I mean, we'll get to it, but in fairness, you were all that high on the Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood trailer when that came out, so you never know what happens. Uh, little Women. <laughs> okay. You want to talk about I this, have huh? never read this book. I have avoided all these movies, but I saw the trailer, and I saw that Greta Gerwig and the cast, and I got to say, I kind of want to see this movie. Yeah. Except Florence Pugh talks like, like her accent in this movie sounds like she's from Brooklyn or something, and she's just trying to be the, like, you know, hey, what are you doing? I'm, well, I'm, I'm a little woman, okay? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm with, in terms of the cast and Greta Gerwig, and that makes me like, oh, okay. Especially if I just saw it on paper, I just I don't care about period pieces. I don't care about the story, so that's more where I'm struggling at. I'm sure again this probably might hang around during award season, and I mean the cast is phenomenal. They're, every movie they've done lately has been really good. So I'm curious if nothing else. I just I don't know. I hate watching people in old timey clothes. <laughs> <laughs> what if they had a heavy metal soundtrack behind it? And Cosmos, whatever his name is, Thanos <laughs> <laughs> Cosmatos directed it. Yeah, I'd be all over it. You just find you, I just find myself during any period piece, just kind of wondering, just how bad do these people smell? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, how did they shave like that? That's pretty specific. <laughs> Straight razors. But do you, do they know they smell because everybody smells yeah, that way? I don't know. Or goatees a thing back then. <laughs> I mean, those. Are, yeah. Uh, but yeah, those are our trailers. Uh, oh, you know, I want to deeply insightful I, that was. I want to bring up another trailer. I can't even remember the name of it now. I just saw it, but it's one of those, you know, uplifting stories of adversity where it, it like God is not God isn't dead that kind of thing. And I actually would rather see that than Call of the Wild. <laughs> and I hate those kind of movies. I hate you know, I just can't stand them i would rather see that i hate when they combine those movies a lot of the dog movies have been that (laughs) but yeah now i'm with you i saw it i'm like oh it's sorry a christian movie and it has an uplifting message about adversity and pain and yeah i'll 
Was it the one about the country singer? Yes. With the uh, girlfriend who, yes. or the wife who's got cancer? Yeah. Yeah. Which they gave, they showed the entire movie, movie. in the trailer. <laughs> She's obviously going to come so close to death, and then the power of Jesus will resurrect her for him, and it'll be a story of the ages. But I'd still rather watch that than this dog movie. <laughs> Frozen 2. <laughs> How'd it do? Uh, $127 million. Nice. And deservedly so. This is a hell of a movie. Uh, Frozen 2 is uh, a movie I didn't think they could make because I didn't really see much uh, sequel potential. I knew they would do it, you know, because they're going to cash in on the IP. But uh, I didn't think there was anything, to, any story really to tell here. And they found one to tell. Uh, Elsa starts hearing this voice. And it's calling to only her. And she's got to go find it in this enchanted forest that's surrounded by this impenetrable fog. Except she can go through it because she's got magic. Uh, She takes uh, Anna and her friends with her. And they find inside this uh, group of people who are separated from the rest of the world. But who used to be soldiers for for Arendelle and uh, the, the people they were opposing. And there's this big secret that her uh, that uh, the secret behind her entire family and behind her own existence, and really solid. Except really well told. The, the animation's incredible. The, there's this uh, water horse that is one of the most impressive pieces of animation I think I've ever seen. And uh, the music is really good. The message is really good. The humor is fantastic. Uh, Olaf, uh, Josh Gad. Really tremendous voice performance. Every time he was on screen, kids were just just delighted. Just just you could hear just the the absolute ripples of delight every time he came on screen. And uh, what more could you ask of that? I saw nothing on this movie in terms of advertisements and stuff. My kids watched the first one. Now they're older, don't care. Uh, so I didn't have to go see it. I did have a niece and nephew spend the night last night and I was going to take them, but my in-laws asked me not to. <laughs> they want to take them on Wednesday. Uh, so I didn't go see it. And I was honestly, when I saw the number, I was shocked. I just kind of figured that the crowd that watched the first frozen grew up. Everybody got sick of, let it go. And then this would fail, but they apparently go. not clearly. <laughs> so I guess that's good that they made feel the dreams is frozen too, but <laughs> That's all I could think about when you're describing it. Sorry. <laughs> I had never seen Frozen until Thursday night when you guys invited me here. I was like, oh, okay, well, if I'm going to see Frozen 2, I should probably see Frozen 1 so I know what I'm getting into. Um, you don't really have to. It's one of those movies where it's like, you know, it's so in pop culture that you kind of know who's who. And um, But I saw it and I was – I. What I liked about Frozen was there was no it wasn't about some prince coming mm-hmm. to you know save a girl the girls were independent and could save themselves and did and I really enjoyed that going into Frozen 2 on Friday morning I thought how are they going to how are they going to sequelize this you know that it doesn't need one it really wasn't set up for one I think they did it kind of as a one off and right. um it Everything Sean said, I I enjoyed Josh Gad a lot. I hadn't really, you know, I didn't really know that much about him. Um, Jonathan Groff, I think he, you know, his his song was good. He's, but he, I mean, he's he's a, a decent vocalist anyway. Um, 
being a homosexual. Of course, I love Adina Menzel and Kristen Bell. Kristen Bell. Why did I? I almost called her Kristen Stewart. Sorry. <laughs> um, but I didn't. I. I don't think the songs were as strong because there's there. You know, Into the Unknown was a good song, but that was trying to be this one's Let It Go. And I think, quite honestly, they could have reprised "Let It Go" toward you know at least towards the end of the movie, and kind of tied it all together. Right. Because "Into the Unknown" is a good song. It's just no "Let It." It doesn't have that catchy catchiness. And yeah, the, the, that is the only complaint I'd have is that the the, the forced attempts at trying to cre- recreate "Let It Go" don't quite work for me. But the music is good enough. I will say that the scene with the uh, Earth Earth Giants was incredible. It was the animation. I am not an animation person. That's why I avoided Frozen for so long. Um, I I just was really struck by their design. They kind of look, look like the thing from Fantastic Four, <laughs> and the way they moved was was really natural and looked like they just had photographed it. It was it was really good. And well integrated into the plot as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's cool that it did well. I mean, to your point about Frozen, I mean, we all liked it when it came out. It just... It, I, I remember my daughter was that perfect age where it was, like, on all the time. So I... It, I don't know. It definitely got old and I got sick of it quick. Uh, and to your point about it not being your typical princess story, you know, and on... On top of that, it wasn't – you don't even necessarily notice that. It wasn't preachy. They don't throw it in your face. It was just kind of very organic, which almost makes it more powerful to me when you can do it without it being, you know, the Avengers and all the girls get together and fight, which it's cool in Avengers, but clearly you know what they're doing there because uh, some characters are in different areas when they go to that fight. But it, <laughs> it was really – I don't know. I, I, I like that about Frozen, and uh, I, I mean, I'm interested in Frozen too. I just – I haven't had to, to go see it. So. It's it's worth seeing. I I I'm a man in my 40s, and I saw it at 10 a.m. on a on a Friday morning, surrounded by like one, single parents and their children, and I felt really creepy. But <laughs> it was I was totally into it, and I, I I really don't know how you take kids to movies. Um, I just don't understand it because. And and do it all the time because you have to watch these inane troll trailers and Will I, Smith. I don't take and, them to those movies. <laughs> <laughs> take them to Ford versus Ferrari. And I feel like <laughs> <laughs> see that I want I want to take my nieces to horror movies, but my sister frowns on that. Um, but I think you know, like I that's I think that's one of the reasons I resist movies like Frozen and Frozen Two is because there's so much animation stuff out there that's just for little kids but right. i think this is something that like i said i'm in i'm in my 40s and enjoyed it right no not i'm just because of, of adina menzel but no I, I agree i there i mean it's almost to the point where it's like why do we even review the troll trailers or, or the Ugh. troll movies or emoji movie because they're not even trying to impress a critic <laughs> it's clearly for kids without you know any real effort i mean it's like an adam sandler movie in a way it's for a specific audience that we don't need to talk about it on the show, but we still do. <laughs> Those kind of movies are critic proof. I mean, right. they're, they're not for critics at no, all. They're not all. for adults. They're for adults who need to take their kids somewhere to just make them be quiet for a while. 
There's a there there are two kinds of I guess uh, schools of criticism. Some is a, there's the art side of the criticism, and then there's the uh, consumer side of the criticism. And sometimes a critic does need to see these movies to to kind of tell parents, you know what, this one's not very good for your kid. This one is, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Right. I just feel like sometimes the animated movies, if it's not, you know, up or Frozen or Wall-E, if it's not that good. That they tend to just be like, nope, don't don't bother with the chipmunk movie. I'm like, they're gonna yeah. love it. There, it's perfect for the kids. <laughs> it's a shitty I, movie, but kids love it. Well, and that's like movies like Smurfs and right. Alvin and the Chipmunks and stuff like that. It's just we ha- we own this IP, and why are we just letting it sit here? Let's do something with it. Right. And that's I mean the majority of movies today. Unfortunately, I, yeah. Yeah. When we're when we're done. With this part, I will. Uh, I'll talk. I want to talk about something that I found really interesting about that very thing. So, well, I mean, go ahead. I I got nothing more. Uh, <laughs> well, <clears throat> the uh, I read a headline. I tried to read the article. It wouldn't pull up. But Us is the only movie this year in the top ten earners that's not a sequel or an existing IP. And that speaks to the power of horror movies, I guess. Right. And how that's we we think that it's like a, a horrible genre that oh nobody wants to see it. It's just popcorn movies, whatever. But when you get that, when that happens, you get us, you get Hereditary, you get Midsummer, those kind of movies. And <clears throat> when Frozen Two is something. I want to see, even though it's, you know that it's just because it's pop culture and it's like, it's in there. Um, It's in your head. But movies like Smurfs and all that, it just shows that there's not a lot of original ideas that that really grab you the way something like Us or Midsummer does. You have to get down to 15 to get to the next non-IP movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Otherwise, wow. it's like John Wick, How to Train Your Dragon, Secret Life of Pets, Pokemon. Then after that, you still got Shazam, Aquaman, Dumbo, Glass. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, at, at the very least, Midsummer is the highest grossing movie among people with taste. <laughs> well, I'd say Us. <laughs> us is really good. I loved Us, so I was. But you know, it's it's with the discussion of all these animated films, and a lot of the ones you just named are. You know, animated or mm-hmm. a mix of animation and live action, but they're all "quote unquote" family movies that you take your kids to because you saw the same thing when you were a kid. Just like Star Wars, just like you know, all that you loved it when you were a kid, so you want your kids to love it. When you should really, instead of taking them to the Pokemon movie, you should be taking them to see us in Midsummer. I mean, kids can handle those, right? Yeah. You know, the, I, you know, it's it's all it's all your fault in my life because I could have been cool. <laughs> I could have been like Bob and hated Star Wars and never saw it if it weren't for you. I didn't hate it. I just didn't <laughs> see it. I didn't. I resented the fact that it was. Well, one, it it changed cinema. Let's not. I mean, and it changed. It, you could argue for the worst. You know, Roland Emmerich doesn't exist without Star Wars. Uh, but it also, I mean, it's you know, I don't know. Uh, it wasn't that I hated, <laughs> but in the top twenty-five, there's four movies that aren't IP. Can you name them? Good to get. I mean, we know the two: Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Us. 
Two more, you'll never get him. <laughs> the Upside, the Kevin Hart movie, <laughs> and then Hustlers, the stripper movie. Although that was a was that a book or is that maybe that wasn't? No, it was an article. Right, right, right. Yeah. So does that count as an IP? <laughs> no, no, you know because it's its own thing, really. Which I had a similar experience with Hustlers he did with Frozen 2. I'm a single 40-year-old male walking to the theater by myself. I'm like, oh, my God. I wanted to stand up because, like, it was a lot of women when I went. I went on on a Tuesday afternoon, I think, and I walked in. It was a lot of a few groups of women, and I kind of got a couple looks at me, and I, I wanted to just be like, hey, I'm gay. But just so they wouldn't look at me funny. I think they expected me to, you know, have a large popcorn and Right. <laughs> Now I walked in late, and like right as the movie started, I'm like, "Oh my god!" They think I'm at the Jennifer Lawrence or Jennifer Lopez stripper movie. <laughs> That's not what this is. Okay, uh, a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Yes, uh, Tom Hanks playing Mister Rogers, and uh, I was notably skeptical about this trailer and about the ability of Tom Hanks to uh, get into this role. And what I loved about what Mariel Heller does is, in directing this is that she immediately takes that feeling off the table by, by, by placing this within the realm of a fantasy, pretty much. Uh, we're talking about a fantasy episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And because we start with him introducing the character of Lloyd, played by Matthew Reese, and his, as his new friend, and starting to tell his story about where he is in life and how he's going to come in and meet Mr. Rogers. And I loved that. I immediately like, okay, that is a really great way to take that that idea of uh, fantasy, uh, placing it in a fantasy element, uh, takes that off the table. You don't have to worry about trying to uh, believe in him as as Mr. Rogers. You can just forget about that and just immerse yourself into it. The first transitions early on, the editing transitions are done in the style of Mr. Rogers. So you've got the Mr. Rogers neighborhood sets. Uh, taking you from one scene to the next. And that is a bold choice. Like, that is a really... You could really fuck up a movie with a, <laughs> with a choice that bold. And I love that. I love that she took that chance. And it worked on me. Uh, and really, everything about this worked on me. The, the, the bold emotionality of this movie is really fantastic. The, the forcefulness of Mr. Rogers in conversation is fascinating. The, the way he, tr- he continues to drill down on the emotional side without, while also still remaining gentle and remaining relatable. He's also, you know, tell me what it, he's just trying to drill down on your emotions uh, in a way that is really fascinating. And he's got a very unique conversational approach that really is a, is rather fascinating to watch. And I thought Tom Hanks captured that uh, extraordinarily well. Uh, Matthew Reese, though, the, the boldest decision of all is that this is his movie. This isn't Mr. Rogers' movie. Everybody's looking at this thinking, that's the Mr. Rogers' movie. It's a biopic, right? No, this is Matthew Reese's movie. This is about him and his emotional journey. He's got a new child. He's got uh, an alcoholic father played by Chris Cooper, who's incredible. Uh, he's uh, got a job that he's struggling at now, uh, even though he doesn't realize he's struggling at it. And I just love the way they set him up and then put him in a room with Mr. Rogers, of all people, and, and the way the, that those two energies are going at each other. And it's just absolutely awesome. I, I was blown away by how great Matthew Reese is in this. I've never seen episodes of The Americans. I don't know what he's like as an actor, but I was really skeptical of him, especially at the uh, when they're 
when they cast him and put him in this movie. And I didn't even recognize him in the trailer who he was. And now I've seen the movie, and I'm like, this guy deserves an Oscar. <laughs> and a lead actor Oscar, not supporting. Yeah. He is the lead in this movie. Yeah, it really is his story. Um, I also liked the the transitions, how they built him up like his neighborhood. You see New York, you see Pittsburgh, you see all those. You see the uh, – and then it cuts to live action. You're like, wait a minute, is that still a miniature? No, okay, it's the real thing. Uh, but I'd never seen Matthew Reese. Um, has he played Bobby Kennedy before? Because he really should. <laughs> I don't know. Oh my God! I kept I, that took me out of it a little bit. I kept thinking he looks just like Bobby Kennedy. What's going on? That's funny. <laughs> but he, uh, it, yeah, it really is his movie. He he is the lead. I expected a you know a biopic of Mister Rogers going into it. I thought it would be bookended with his story, and they'd sit down and talk, and he'd go through. No, nope, not at all. Not at all. Very, very well handled. Um, I still struggle with getting past Tom Hanks as Tom Hanks. I, whereas I used to not when he was younger. But I think that he looks so different than Mr. Rogers, even though they tried to, you know, Rogerify him, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, it still was a little jarring sometimes. I was like, I, it wasn't until the end where I really saw Mr. Rogers. And I don't have any, I never watched it as a kid, so I don't have any point of reference as far as, you know, except for some of the clips right. that you see. Um, but I thought the cast was phenomenal. Um, I really, and this, I really want to see the trailer recut as a thriller, though, because <laughs> you look at Mr. Rogers in this movie, and you're like, he, he's got to have, like, a dungeon in his basement or something. Oh, he's stop. <laughs> Come on, that is he, the lamest Mister Rogers joke that everybody makes. I, no, oh, he's I only, got a dark side. Oh. I only mean it because of the way he plays it. Like I said, I don't, <laughs> I don't have any history with him. But the way he plays it, sometimes I can see it cut like those, like the Mrs. Doubtfire trailer right. cut as a thriller, that kind of thing. I could really see happen um, because it's like, is he that good? Is he that good of a person? And yeah, he was. I mean, he was just. Well, that's almost Mr. the whole Rogers. point of the movie. I mean, all the interviews, he's trying to find that darkness. He's trying yeah. to find that thing, and he, and instead he finds himself. And But, the, I mean, that's what he's going for, too. I mean, he's looking for, okay, you have a bad day. What's your bad day like? You know, and it's like, I just pawn on the piano. <laughs> <laughs> and then when he does, you're like, oh, he's alone, something. <laughs> right. Is Miss Garla's dealing with some demons up in here? <laughs> but, it, I mean, it, I, I think he just he probably Jack messed up playing the piano and that was his way of dealing with his demons. And it's that simple. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I was shocked when Sean said this movie was amazing and bold and blah, blah, blah. I was like, I don't even know how it's possible with Mr. <laughs> Rogers biopic. And I'm like, I guess I have to see it. I wasn't going to see it this weekend. And it sure is. I mean, there's so many ways this movie falls apart and sucks. I mean, there, there really is. And, uh, it could also be that gentle and pleasant movie that in a lot of ways it is, but it's so uncomfortable getting there that it, it doesn't feel gentle and pleasant. <laughs> uh, it's a really, really good movie. I mean, I'm dealing with a kid right now who they're, you know, teachers think he has ADHD, doctors think he doesn't. And it's, you know, and he, all he knows is there's something wrong with him. And it's just like, you go watch this movie. <laughs> you know, it, you just kind of accept what's wrong with you. I, I don't know. It was, a lot of things that really 
rung true for me and i just it was a really cool experience i think everybody should rush out and go see it now comes the point where where do you rank it in your top movies of the year it's like you know it's spotlight versus like what was it gone girl that year you know they're two totally different movies you know you got midsummer this piece of art and then you got this great straight ahead story that was told really well i don't you know obviously i like the art piece better but it's hard to deny that this is a great movie. I, you know, uh, this one, uh, Midsummer's still number one. Then Jojo Rabbit and this one are neck and neck for the two other great movies this year. Um, it's just so different, though. It's you know, yeah. this is so straight ahead, and those are even Jojo Rabbit. They're just you know, it's just art you versus. It's amazing about about my reaction to this movie was that uh, one of the things I took away from the conversations with Mister Rogers was. Perhaps insecurity is just the lies that you tell yourself or you tell other people and the idea that those things could be found out. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'll... Uh, I'm going to compare this to a movie that you're going to laugh at me for, but uh, when I'm I love... laugh at you anyway. But. I know. <laughs> but I... This and Joker are the two movies that kind of made me look at myself. You know, the, you know, the Joker really puts the mirror back at society. But if you're watching it the right way, I think you're looking at yourself. What is, what's my role in this? You know, and I, this did the same thing to me, just on a, almost the polar opposite level. I mean, a lot. It's a lot of ways. It's the anti-Joker, <laughs> but they both kind of had the same reaction to me. For me, where I'm, I just find myself questioning decisions I made, looking at things I'm doing wrong, and trying to. I don't know, better myself from those two movies. Yeah, I was worried that at certain points that this was going to go towards uh, the idea of you need to just forgive everybody who's ever done anything wrong to you. That's not the message here. They, they, yeah. they. It seems like it's coming up to that, and they pull back from that. And I, and it's more, it's much more specific uh, in this case. And uh, you know, if somebody earns that back, if they're willing to work to be forgiven then you forgive them. Yeah, there's there's forgiveness for yourself and forgiveness for somebody else that you you want to still keep in your life yeah. for as you know as long as they have or you have or whatever, but I really thought so too. I was like, "Oh god, don't give me this. Come on." You know. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, but then it was it was tied to a specific event and that I really enjoyed. Oh, that was that was yeah. incredible! Mm-hmm. What Matthew Reese does, Whew. well, and especially like I lost my dad a couple of years ago, and we always had a you know kind of an adversarial relationship because our you know we just we were different people, and you think about some of that when you're watching a movie like this, like all right, if you know we were in a we were in a perfectly good place when he died, but it was for a long time before that it was like oh. Just, you know, I know he was thinking, just shut up, I don't want to hear it. And I was thinking, just shut up, I don't want to hear it. And you go through the stages of that after you feel the guilt. And he was feeling that guilt. The father was feeling the guilt beforehand. And the son kind of felt the guilt right at the end, as opposed to having to carry it with him because he never, you know, makes up with his father or anything like that. Right. And. Even if you're not going to forgive the person, it, it, the, the, I think the message is like, learn to accept who they are. If they're not, they don't want the forgiveness, then you know you're never going to get there. But if you can accept that that's just who they are, 
then you can kind of move on with your own life and not have to and it yeah, the darkness of your own emotions is oftentimes something you invite into yourself right you can control all that stuff you just have to get to the point you have to find ways to control it and it's hard <laughs> mr <laughs> rogers did it somehow and it's <laughs> i mean it is weird you keep looking for something wrong and there's just there's really not you know i could see you would think he'd be a guy that would almost be unlikable, but at the same time, everybody loved him. You know, he's in a train and the whole train starts. I can see that's happening in real life. I'm sure that it did. Did, did it? I, it that's did what I, I, I didn't have time to look and see, you know, what parts were based on a true story or what parts it's based were based on an article by Tom Junod in Esquire. And, and, uh, you know, that most of the stuff is fictionalized. The, you know, he did the stuff about the dad and, and all that stuff, but, but that part specifically, and the part where Mister Rogers wants you know, asks him to close his eyes and uh, think for a minute about you know the people who love you, or who brought made you by yeah. their love. Yeah. yeah, that's true. But he did that. He did that at an award show while he was accepting a lifetime achievement award in front of an entire crowd. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, it's a hell of a movie. You should really rush out and go see it. How'd it do? Uh, I don't know. I have the yearly stuff pulled up at the moment. <laughs> well, it wasn't here. on forty screens in every theater like Frozen was this weekend. I went to look at the times that I could go see it on Friday, and I was like, "Oh, I could literally go over twenty minutes." Frozen was sold out through six p.m. this evening. Wow, thirteen point five million. That's it. Yeah, for the wow. weekend. Well, it, thanks. It, I mean, there's no way it's that it's one of those movies that will sit in the theaters for a couple yeah, months. Yeah. Um, it's got to be a little off of what they wanted, though. Yeah, but it's up against Frozen, so there's nothing is gonna. Yeah, that was probably close. a miscalculation. <laughs> I don't. I don't see the budget. like the cats movie. <laughs> I have Let's, no idea what the budget is on it, so it's hard to know that either. Right, but I mean, they had to have been expecting with the with the way that Mister Rogers has been a, kind of resurgent in popular culture, and with Tom Hanks in that role, people have been anticipating this for a while. I they got I got to imagine they were hoping for at least twenty for an opening weekend to come in at thirteen has got to be a little bit disappointing. Yeah, but I think you're gonna. I think it'll hang around with a de- decent Thanksgiving run. Yeah, here's hoping. I mean, I know my parents who don't go to movies. They're planning on going out and seeing it, and so I don't know. It's they the the showing that I went to. The majority of the couples were at, at least over fifty. I you know I didn't see anybody who I, I saw maybe one couple who was much younger, and the girl kept she was just on her phone the whole time. You know, she, he must have wanted to see it, and she was on her phone the whole time. But everybody else was older, so. That, because he hasn't been around for almost 20 years now. I don't right. Know, I, don't I mean, I think he, he had a recent, well, he's died not that long ago, right? Like in the last five to 10 years, isn't it? I'm not sure when it was. I but don't. I remember he kind of came back when September 11th happened and he popped yeah. up and did some stuff. But after that, he was pretty quiet until that documentary came out. I mean, yeah. obviously when he passed, but. But I think, you know, I feel like, his original audience is kind of older, so this is this is a movie that it'll stick around because people will buy tickets for it throughout the holidays. Right. So, died uh, February two thousand three. 
Oh, wow. So, yeah, so it has been a long time. It has been longer than I... I thought it was post-2010. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's, that's my point, is we don't pay attention because... The Mandela effect. He stayed alive for you. Well, <laughs> didn't you say that wasn't true or real it's not thing? True. It's totally made up <laughs> bullshit. Uh, yeah, but anyway, go see it, uh, and we can move on. Uh, Twenty One Bridges. Twenty One Bridges is uh, Chadwick Boseman playing a New York cop, uh, and directed by a guy named Brian Kirk, who's a TV director for the most part. And I'm pretty hard on TV directors on this show. I have been in the past. and uh, I gotta say, he, he does direct action and suspense really, really well. I think the, the problem with 21 Bridges is a script that really lets down pretty much everybody. Because uh, it has no theme and it has no arc. Uh, Chadwick Boseman begins the movie as this uh, badass but ethical cop who is kind of like the anti-dirty Harry, you know, he's like a guy who's, he's, he's a badass, he'll kill people if he has to, but he's not he, he's, he's not dirty Harry, he's not you know, he's not, you know, he's not that cop who breaks all the rules to get the job done, you know, this is a cop this is a post-Ferguson, like dirty Harry who follows the rules but still, still manages to catch bad guys. He's like Riggs and Murtaugh together <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's gonna chase down the, these two guys who uh, are uh Played by Stephen, oh shoot, I Stephen Fisher. I can't, remember, I forgot his name now, which is awful because he was amazing just last year uh, in a movie. And uh, T- Taylor Kitsch is the other guy. Uh, they, uh, they're two guys who think they're going to go rob just a small amount of cocaine from this drug dealer. Turns out that there's more than five point six million dollars worth of cocaine where they go, and the cops are there, and <laughs> the cops are there. For a very specific reason, because they know the coke is there as well. Where that's going, you'll have to see for yourself. But uh, the thing about it is, is that there's this other, you know, there's there's three prongs to this story. You've got these two guys, these two people who are going to steal drugs and sell them off, and you know, these two guys are going to trying to get out of the country. You know, they're former military guys who just want their little piece of the world to get a couple hundred thousand bucks and get out of the country. You got Chadwick Boseman trying to catch them, and then the third leg is this group of corrupt cops who are really the weakest leg. They're very, very under underdeveloped. They they put Sienna Miller and J.K. Simmons in there, and and they're really great. You don't know which side they're on throughout, uh, but the the whole the whole corruption thing is so underwritten that it never really comes off very well. And you're much more interested in watching the the cat and mouse game between Chadwick Boseman and these two characters. That's far more interesting than what's going on with that aspect of it. It's it's just really underdeveloped, and it's unfortunate because the entire third act, you know, big major action scene, kind of rests on that. Then they really kind of let Chadwick Boseman down in this final confrontation, which is a really great direction, great great piece of direction. They really does an amazing job with the space and the suspense and the and the violence of this final sh- showdown. But you then you say to yourself, well, wait, what's he doing here? <laughs> like, you're kind of, what is he thinking come, going to this place at this time? It doesn't make any sense. He's smarter than that. Uh, and so kind of the, because they didn't develop the logic. This movie's like two or three rewrites away from being pretty good. Uh, instead, it's out here now, and it's just, it's okay. You know, Chadwick Boseman's really good. Stephen James. Stephen James, yes, thank you. If Bill Street could talk. Yeah. Who's the actual real person that Chadwick Boseman is playing this time? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Just 
42. <laughs> Thurgood Marshall, yeah, I know. <laughs> Black Panther, obviously real. Yeah. <laughs> he played Huey Long, right? I don't know. Huey Long of Wakanda, <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't go see no, it. No, Huey P. Newton. I, I don't know my Hueys. Sorry. Huey, Dewey, and Louie. <laughs> yeah, Huey Long was John Goodman. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I'm thinking Huey P. Newton. No, that, like, I didn't go see it. So I, I I didn't either. I The trailer just looked horrible to me. It just looked like I could... What you just described about it being underwritten just came across in the trailer for me. I... Let's close down all the 21 bridges in Manhattan is not a real thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> First li- of all, there's like more than 21, Yeah, right? I live there. This is not going to happen. <laughs> You're, the only way this is going to happen is if the cops are going after them specifically to get this coat. That's the only way. And that's still not going to happen. It's just I – th- I saw that trailer and I was like, yeah, maybe when it's on Hulu or Netflix or something. But it just did not interest me. And when you told me what the movies were for this week, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'll go see Frozen. I probably will see A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. 21 Bridges, nope. Yeah, if you maybe had a director I knew behind it, because I like the cast. Yeah. You know, even, like, I'm a Friday Night Lights guy, so I like Taylor Kitsch, too. I don't know if anybody else likes him or not, but... uh but yeah, the cast is great, and if I had known who the director was and the trailer looked a little better, I probably would have tried. But yeah, I mean, I'd like to see Chadwick Boseman, you know, be a outside of Black Panther success. But I don't know how this one did either. Really Nine point on. something million, I think. Not not great. You got yeah. Mister Rogers out there taking Chadwick Boseman and pretending he's Loki and he's the Hulk and he's <laughs> smashing him. Actually, Elsa's doing like the bow yeah. of them. <laughs> <laughs> Elsa's doing it. She's like just with ice and shit. Uh, and then you watched a documentary, I don't know why, from 2017 called Come On, Feel the Noise. it's only being released in America now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it's like all, isn't it like stock footage of old interviews <laughs> with famous rock stars? It is really lame. Yeah, this is a really terrible documentary. It's a German-produced documentary that... Uh, the big uh, draw of it is that they've got old footage from German TV shows that uh, these guys performed on, these well-known bands uh, performed on. Uh, and I guess it's supposed to be about how heavy metal came about. But, uh, I don't know, Blondie's in this movie. How the fuck does that work? <laughs> they spend a lot of time talking about, like, there's a whole segment dedicated to Sweet. Are they heavy metal? <laughs> I don't know what I mean, heavy metal is. This movie doesn't know what heavy metal is. But the fact is you have these artists who don't know they're in a movie. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they're... So you're using old stock footage and interviews and whatnot to try to prove your point. And, you know, they're not helping you, so you're just kind of making something up as you go. Yeah, I I don't... I didn't really, like... I didn't know Nikki Six had a band called 6AM. I have no idea. They They figure prominently in this with a lot of interview time. Almost uh, too prominently from does, what I've read. Is the AM for after middle age? <laughs> Fortunately, no, but it should be. Uh, somebody named Michael Monroe gets a lot of interview, interview he's time. He's huge. He's over, huge. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. Not to waste time on a movie podcast, but Hanoi Rocks was like were, was going to be the big band, and then Motley Crue's singer killed their drummer, and they broke up. 
but they were going to be bigger than Motley Crue, mo- most likely. They were the yeah. big influence of that ge- that era. But yeah, he's he's like Mick Jagger, huge over in whatever country he's in. I mean, he's one like the big star over there. Huh. Yeah, they talked to uh, yeah they talked to, they spent a lot of time on Deep Purple, a uh, little time on Black Sabbath, um, but nothing really insightful. The the the, uh, the voiceover is awful. Just it just sounds terrible. Is it in German? Is that why you couldn't? No, it's, it's in English. <laughs> but it's du Scheiße. It's just so lame. I mean, it's just colorless. It's just lifeless. Uh, it sounds like a you know PBS commercial. Like it's, it's just awful. I mean, it would be Ken like burns a, heavy metal. But it would. It's kind of the equivalent of like I went through all the interviews I've ever done and tried to make a audio movie out of my, with you know the the artists aren't in on it at all so I'm trying to sculpt something together out of stock stuff that's uh, they, these are all I, I guess original interviews that these guys did but through that show but it yeah. was, and it were their original inter- but it, they weren't for the movie I mean there's no way these guys were at least that's the way, what I've read that, that didn't appear to be like. They spent like six AM was uh, that's why they were so prominent. <laughs> but like James Hetfield and Alice Cooper, whoever else they had in there, they were just kind of they weren't doing it for the movie. They were just taking old interviews and James Hetfield's per, per uh, interview is so strange because he just they they don't even touch on what Metallica <laughs> like they interview James Hetfield and they have him talk about music, but then they don't do a piece on Metallica <laughs> at all. Fucking weird. Uh, that could have been the part I slept through, though. I don't know. If that's possible. <laughs> they're what still the, salty about Napster. What the fuck is a Steel Panther? What is this? Oh, shit? they're amazing. <laughs> they are. Yeah. I love Steel Panther. I have no idea. They are so everything. I don't know. There are these fake guys. I mean, in the problem with today's media is that there is everything so accessible and nobody. There's no mystery. So now you have these four guys dressing up as '80s hair bands. Being the most sexist, horrible pigs in the world, girls love it. Uh, they're in. They're not like that in real life, yeah. and it's all an act. But they're. It's working, and they're getting bigger. And it went start out as a cover band, and all of a sudden now they're actually having to tour with these bands. And like Motley Crue hates them. It's fascinating. Maybe Vince Neil should kill their drummer. <laughs> but Vince Neil loves them. That's the weird thing. <laughs> <laughs> this movie clearly doesn't get the joke because it because uh, they did that joke does not come through in the movie. They just seem like the everybody else in the movie. <laughs> oh yeah, that's they are. I mean, I can see why people wouldn't like it, but yeah. I mean, their songs are so dumb. It's like really cool music, and then it's just not even trying to be creative with their lyrics. I mean, it's just full blown crass. But it, for whatever reason, it just works for what they're doing. Because I could, they, there's a moment where I couldn't honestly tell if they were kidding or not. Where the like the two guys from from uh, Steel Panther that are interviewed, they just break into "Wait" by White Lion, and I'm like, "Is these guys kidding?" Or kidding. <laughs> I had to interview the singer once, and I was like, "I don't know how I'm going to do this because he wouldn't come. He had to do it in character." <laughs> And he would answer the questions honestly, and then he would end it with something about fucking somebody and doing blow. He would always just take he'd, – he'd curve it there. But it clearly, I mean, the guy's cut. He's super in shape. No way he's – I mean, he's like 55. <laughs> There's no way he's on drugs. Really but, loved Spinal Tap. Yeah. I mean, he's a uh, better singer than David Lee Roth is. I guess they were developing a TV show at the ha- at when, this, when this documentary Probably. went on, but it uh, doesn't appear to be happening. 
I could I yeah. I'm amazed they're still around, to be honest with you, based on the <laughs> environment that uh things have changed. But uh I don't know. Yeah, come on through the noise. Don't Just go see it. Awful. Awful documentary. Why are they even releasing it? Where where is know. it at? Uh you got me. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Don't go see it. Did you just get a screener? Yeah. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event for the linear, legitimate, and universally recognized, undisputed classic. Copland. Directed by James Mangold, the man who directed uh, Ford versus Ferrari last week. And, of course, it's a cop movie, and 21 Bridges came out, and Really, it's not easy to find a movie to relate to Frozen, so. <laughs> Aside from Frozen. <laughs> <laughs> and that was not going to be the classic. Uh, Copland stars uh, uh, Sylvester Stallone as a small-town sheriff in a uh, town that is populated by a lot of cops. Uh, Harvey Keitel is the ringleader there, and uh Ray Liotta as well. And uh, they... Robert De Niro plays an internal affairs cop who's trying to, to bust them because he knows that they're using this small town in New Jersey as a kind of a hub for their own corruption. And, uh, you know, it's really... <laughs> the weakest link, unfortunately, is Stallone for me. I, I, really? love, I like this movie a lot. I do. I, and I think there's a great story here. I just find Stallone's slow, plotting performance to be in the proper to the character but still to a point where it's like i just don't even buy that he's gonna wake up at any point and that's really it it didn't hold me back as much the first time i saw it but this time i'm like and maybe it's just rambo fatigue <laughs> but uh, i was it was kind of holding me back here because i just can't uh, all right just kick into that second gear here <laughs> it just doesn't quite get there even though the movie the rest of the movie is really really strong this was one of those movies I'd never seen it before. Uh, I watched it on YouTube the other night, um, in a small little box in the corner of the screen. That you know, like and comment the rest of the, my fifty-five inch TV, and it was really hard to hear. But I was standing there paying attention. I was like, okay, Edie Falco, I love Edie Falco. Then there's no more Edie Falco. <laughs> like, you see uh, her briefly at the yeah. end. Well, <laughs> but no, you're right. I feel like there were there were threads of a really really good movie. It was a good movie. Um, it was not not one that I would would have watched before. Um, again, yes, yeah, Stallone. He he. I'm finally maturing enough that I can kind of come around and see him as an actor as opposed to Sylvester Stallone. Right. You know, and his all his like backwards views and all that stuff. I'm just like. <laughs> ugh. Gross, but I wa- you know I watched it with an open mind, and I he was the weakest person in this movie, and it's really his movie. Um, I I had also just finally I don't know somehow twenty years later found out about the Michael Rappaport Lily Taylor thing on the Mark Maron podcast, so I just literally he stalked her and yeah it, read it it's <laughs> it's d- delicious. <laughs> Uh, so he plays uh, Superboy. Yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> Watching him, and it, that kind of took me out of it for a second. But he was really solid in it. He's he's an idiot, but he's you know he's the best kind of idiot in this movie because he doesn't know, he doesn't know, quite know what's going on. 
until he re- until he really realizes how bad it's going to be. Uh, and then that's where his when his character takes a turn, I'm kind of like, all right, I'm kind of with it. Um, I was really surprised to see Janine Garofalo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in anything now, but you know, back then, and I like her. I wish I I would. I kind of wish that Edie Falco had been in Sylvester Stallone's part. I think that would have made for a more interesting dynamic because she's a better actor overall. Um, she, I just kind of, the whole movie, I kept imagining other people that were in the cast playing his character and how that dynamic would have been. Because, you know, he wants to, he finally makes that turn to do the right thing, but I kind of almost missed it. Like, missed the part where he was kind of waffling because he's just not that strong in the movie. Whereas he's up against Harvey Keitel and Robert Patrick and all these really stellar actors. And I feel like he's the weakest link. I I would disagree completely. Only because I think the movie is over. I don't think it's as good as it should be. But I, I think it's a bad character. You can put anybody in it. They have to be... The way it was written is he gets bullied by these guys and so you need to be that I mean you can put whoever you want to put in there it doesn't I think he acted just fine it wasn't the I think the character's weak I think the story's weak and they needed to you know you you've got all this great director this great cast and it should be Goodfellas Raging Bull there's all these movies and it just kind of turns into him I don't know how you tell it with the story with you know, almost needed to be told differently or the character had to be written differently it's too i think he was great at what he was doing but it didn't you know he he had to be bullied for it to get there and then he gets there and the way you establish it is he goes to a fair and he shoots really good so that's how you get around oh this is why he shot everybody with one shot and got and you just i don't don't know if you need to go darker if you need to change the story up but it's just good it, it can't get beyond good because of the way that it's written i i just think ray liotta though ray yeah. liotta's fucking awesome in this movie <laughs> i loved i loved what he does at the end but even throughout just the, the the early portion of him just just telling stallone to go home he's just so he's just so lively and charismatic and you're just like wait Cameron, go he's over there <laughs> But again, it comes back to like, what his character has stopped and turned around? Probably not. I mean, there, there's just a lot of things that I don't necessarily buy. Uh, they, it's just convenient for the movie uh, that keep it from being great. You know, that so it's always just kind of going to hang out at good. You know, and I'm not sure if it was what I, the one I was watching, the copy that I was watching, but I also felt like the editing wasn't as good as it could have been. It. It felt like, oh, you know, you introduce characters for like three seconds played by good actors, and then you never see them again. What? And I feel like there's, like, Edie Falco, I feel like she was probably in another cut of this movie throughout the movie, because you don't just put Edie Falco in... Well, was she Edie Falco then? I mean, how... She wasn't as famous. When did that come out? The mid-90s? Yeah, she she was pretty well... I mean... She'd done a lot of episodic stuff on TV, and she's just a... Oh, she's... No, I I love everything she's done, but it was like pre-Sopranos and Nurse Jackie, I think. But I I didn't really know her before Sopranos, personally. Yeah. 
But no, I I think Twenty One Bridges probably suffered the same way. You're putting in like established names because you don't have time to build the characters up, and so you just want to see these names to okay, they're important. You know, I don't have time to expound on it, but they're important because so and so is in that role. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's weird. the The part that uh, yeah that I forget when I watch this movie is that uh, uh, Robert De Niro's part is so small. Uh, it's really that was a big deal. Shockingly small, and was, especially he figures so prominently in the trailer. And, uh, has the best scene in the movie. <laughs> he's also got scene. the worst line in the movie. Ah, which one? Uh, you got your own little cop land there. Uh, yeah. But I love it when they put the title of the movie <laughs> in the dialogue. But that scene, though, where he gets all, he, he's just, they've taken the case from him and, and Stallone shows up and uh, he's telling him, you know, we had a case and you blew it. I, he's awesome in that scene. There's so much life there. It's like, it, he's amazing in that moment. It's like, why isn't he in the rest of the movie? <laughs> Right, I just it never they would have to do so much to the story and like redo characters completely to me in order for it to work the right to to be on the level of you know one of the great movies of all time. You know this is why it'll be okay. It's good. It's fine. It's watchable. But with that cast and that direct, I mean, it should be. You know, it should have been way better than it was, and that's I'll always be disappointed because of that. I don't know. Yeah, I. I used to live in Jersey City, and when they shot in the Palisades, you know, you could when he's going to the party, uh, when Stallone's mm-hmm. going to the party, and there's a view, and I used to walk there. And I'm like, oh, I think I probably have walked by this. I wish I'd known that when I lived there because this came out before I lived right. there. But that was, you know, that kind of kept me engaged in the parts that, you know, I'm like, oh, are we going to see any more? We're going to see Hoboken. We're going to see Jersey City, <laughs> Sea Caucus. One thing that was weird for me was I'm in the middle of reading Ronan Farrow's book, uh, and Annabelle's Gior or whatever plays a big role, and I haven't gotten to that part yet. Right now in the book, she's denying everything. But, I mean, this is a Miramax movie. What movie was it that, you know, yeah. I, that, that kind of... <laughs> I, I think, I'm hoping, I'm, I, I'm not hoping, but I, I don't know if this happened before this movie or after, uh, but it was, I don't know, it, kind of took me out of the movie i don't know probably similar to the way the michael rapaport thing took you out and that's the part that's the bad thing about watching movies that were not really old movies but old enough that we've had all this experience as adults mm-hmm. since they came out you know what dirtbags some people are you know like what other people went through and you know later you find out oh it was this movie right. you know, like uma thurman and uh Quentin Tarantino. Oh, okay, it was this movie. Oh, okay, this happened, and you know, and it does kind of take away your enjoyment a little bit when you find that stuff out. But yeah, I never even thought about that. I just because right. Michael Rappaport was on my mind that day. <laughs> it is weird though. Some movie like The Shining, for whatever reason, as bad as Stanley Kubrick treated <laughs> what's her name off Shelley uh, Duvall. Shelley Duvall. I, I still can go back to that movie and get into it and you know you hear all the david o russell stories and i still <laughs> like his movies i feel like if if you're going to direct a movie you have to have a certain part like piece of sociopathy you know that you're gonna you just need to get especially it especially the artists yeah the ones that are like true artists the, they just have i mean i don't necessarily think it's okay but i don't you can just you definitely have to not care <laughs> about certain <laughs> things and then address it afterwards i guess i don't know 
or watch the Mr. Rogers movie. <laughs> uh, 89. Anything else on Copland before we move on? What did Michael Rappaport do? <laughs> Just so he and Lily Taylor were together, and she decided, you know, I think it was when she stopped drinking, maybe, um, that she was going to leave him. She just didn't want to be with him anymore and he couldn't handle it, so he stalked her. Uh, she told the story or he told She told the story. Yeah. Well, she was on Mark Marin and he, he you know, he said, oh, I've been, you know, I, re- I do a little bit of research and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, and then she kind of, she breezed over it a little bit and then he's like, he like they, there was this pause and she, he goes, so Michael Rappaport. And she, you hear her just go, oh, shit. <laughs> okay, well, here, da, 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 da. It's, it's worth listening to. Um, I, I love her anyway. I think she's really? great. Uh, and, but I was listening to it and I got home and I'm like, Oh, I got to watch Copland while I, you know, do some artwork. So I put it on and there's like, Michael Rappaport. Michael first Rappaport. thing you see, and then, well then he, you know, he jumps off the bridge and I'm like, Oh, okay, good. Fuck you. Michael Rappaport. Fuck you. And then, Oh, okay. So he's not actually dead. So. 1989, all dogs go to heaven. <laughs> I don't remember it. Do you remember Another it? fucking dog movie? <laughs> At least it's all animated. Yeah, it was looks this like, with Burt Reynolds? I don't know. Well, so is the new one, all animated. Harrison Ford. Except for Harrison Ford. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, I'm not going to look. Harlem Nights. <laughs> Remember that one? Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor? Yeah, I remember that one because it's so disappointing. Right. Uh, yeah. Similar to Copland. You, it, you put Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor together, they're supposed to be amazing, and it's just, it's not. They don't have, as much as they as much as much they admire each other, you don't sense that they have any kind of chemistry together. Well, he wrote and directed Eddie Murphy did, and he was such a big fan. I mean, he, he part, uh, petitioned to be in Godfather 3. <laughs> He's such a big fan of those type of movies, and here he is wanting to create something that good and sometimes you need someone in there to help you out and I, I just kind of bet he's glad he wasn't in Godfather 3 <laughs> might have improved yeah because uh, Sofia Coppola's character <laughs> which I never had a problem with her I don't know but I the, I didn't I saw this years and years and years ago yeah um, but I want to talk about one thing the best part of this movie is the poster yeah by Drew Struzan who is one of the people that I look up to as an artist, and I I watched a uh, documentary about him not too long ago, and they kept showing this, and I was like, I had no idea. I thought it was a photograph, and then you because you look at it, and you don't really look at it because you're not if you're not super interested in the movie, right? And then I realized it was him, and I really looked at him like, oh, it's not a it's not just a photograph of the two of them, it's an actual illustration, and that was the best part of the movie for me. No, I mean, I, I'm i with you. Back when posters were good and not just Photoshop jobs. <laughs> but I'll get off my soapbox. No, they need to. I mean, that's the... My brother's movie ended up on a list of like the best posters of the year because you're right, nobody yeah. does real art. He went and hired a guy and paid him thousands of dollars to do it. Well, and, that, and that's the thing is, Drew Struzan is known for you know the Star Wars re-releases and all the... Uh, the first couple Harry Potters. Um, he did the Alice Cooper Welcome to My Nightmare album cover, that kind of stuff. And that movie posters like that kind of went out, started going out of fashion 30 years ago. It was like, oh, let's just do photos. And then in the 90s, they were all, you know, like the power poses and everybody that was just photographs stacked on top of each other. Right. See Scream or Urban Legends. And 
there's starting to be an appreciation by people like Peter Jackson, um, Guillermo del Toro, who love this kind of stuff. Right. And they want, whether they have to finance it themselves, they have a movie poster that ends up Look, like I wanted to watch Harlem Nights again just because I watched this documentary and it had that poster in it. I was like, you know what? I haven't seen that in like 25 years. Let me, you know, maybe I'll go watch it again. And then I just got too busy packing and stuff. So, well, I, I mean, I don't want to, I guess I want to follow up on that. You do do art stuff. And like my brother, he goes and buys a bunch of movie posters that are like artists just kind of made their own and he pays a lot of money for them. And uh, do you want me to give him my card? <laughs> uh, but you, you can. Uh, but the but you do movie stuff. I mean, you're wearing a hereditary shirt. I actually have that mug over there. <laughs> the shirt you got. Nice. Uh, do you co- copyright? How does that all work? Does that matter? Or do well, they... it's it's one of those things where it's most people are doing such stuff that's so small and you know not you know I'm not making any money on right. anything I do. I'm actually probably losing money on the time. Right. I just I draw stuff that I love, and if other people love it too, great. Put it on a mug. Put it on a t-shirt. Um, there are people like Disney that they really don't want you to do anything. They'll they don't mind fan art and things like that. But I couldn't you know create a thousand Star Wars t-shirts right. and try to sell them to Target. That's you know it 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 there's. There's but is there a difference between fan art and then uh, and try, selling at a Target? Yeah, yeah. There's um, fair use, and it's really there. It's so ambiguous in the art world. In the uh, you know, there are uh, like you can play clips if you wanted to under the fair use for criticism doctrine. Or right, I'm not, I'm I know not you're talking sure, about. Not even using that word right, but there's fair use and there's theft. Uh, most of the pe- most of the time, they're going after people who would just take the Cubs logo and put it on a T-shirt and try to sell that, right? You know, at Wrigley Field before the show or the show, the game. Uh, I don't do sports ball, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you can do a podcast about the Cubs and never call. Put it in your title, and you're fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's 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 really ambiguous as far as it's like porn is it porn i don't know but i know it when i see it right that kind of thing it's i couldn't take your logo and just clip art (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i couldn't take i couldn't take the bulls or the cubs or something like that and slap it on a t-shirt and right get away with it they're gonna they're gonna come after you for sure so well that's yeah i just some of the posters you have are just really cool and it's like how did you even I, I know John Carpenter has nothing to do with this. <laughs> well, I, I bought um, some artists, like there's an artist, Cat Stags, and she's been commissioned to do posters for like a re-release of The Fog. Um, she did an amazing American Werewolf in London poster that I bought. Um, you do it because you love it, and if you make a couple bucks off of it, they're not going to completely freak out. If you're making a million dollars off of it, they're going to be like, oh, my, give us your, you know, <laughs> well, cease and so to, I mean, Star Wars and Disney aside, I mean, I got to imagine, you know, the A24 people are probably looking at it and thinking, oh, this is cool. You know, yeah. that, so, you, you know, a lot of those, you know, there is that element of it, too. I got to imagine a lot of the Carpenter, like my brother's into all those movies, so he's got tons of Kurt Russell bullshit. What you, what you do is you start an LLC in Mexico 
that is routed through Russia, and then you can do whatever you want. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they come after you, just say, "No, Ukraine did that." <laughs> but, Mr. Mr. I'll go ahead. But uh, returning to uh, Harlem Nights, though, there's the only. I, it just occurs to me now. The only thing I ever remember about this movie is just Della Reese goes on and on about her pinky toe. You shot off my pinky toe. Why'd you shoot off my pinky toe? Over and over again, they beat that goddamn joke into the fucking ground. <laughs> yeah. It, disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> it's get, it's one of those movies you want to love because you love everybody in it, and then... Copland. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mystery Train, Jim Jarmish. I haven't actually seen it. Me neither. Me either, and I don't know that I'm going to after the last one. <laughs> <laughs> He's a real acquired taste. Yeah. Prancer? I accidentally saw this when I was a kid. <laughs> I mean, and by kid, I mean 18 years old. Um, <laughs> because I was going to school in Denver, and we used to go to this place called Video Warehouse, and we wanted to rent Silent Night, Deadly Night. Well, they thought it would probably be really funny if they put Prancer inside the video case. And, you know, you're in college and you just throw the movie in. You take it out of the case, throw it in. And I was with two of my friends and my friend Marcy was like, wait, what's this? And I was, I came back into the room and I'm like, I don't think this is Silent Night, Deadly Night. <laughs> she goes, oh my God, it's Prancer. I love this movie. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> So I had to watch Prancer because my friend Marcy loved that movie. I only know this movie because uh, Nathan Rabin wrote about it for uh, My World of Flops uh, as one of the one of the more uh, grand debacles of the of the eighties. This was supposed to be a big family movie hit, and it was a pretty spectacular disaster. And it's a, a pretty terribly made movie. <laughs> yeah, every time I went to try to go see it as a little kid, or my mom tried to take me, it was sold out. <laughs> it was ridiculous. <laughs> Because this, 89 was the first year I saw a movie. I went with my babysitter, Honey, Shrink the Kids, and my friend to Batman. My my parents had never taken me to a movie, so this was going to be a movie they were going to take me to. And we never got to see it because it was sold out. And if I remember right, Rudolph's not even in it. So What's the point? Right, exactly. He's the only reindeer that matters. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's the only IP you have to pay for. Yeah, they try to make Prancer matter. So Stop trying Prancer to make Prancer thing. happen. Uh, anything else? Uh, next week. <laughs> next week, uh, we have Knives Out and Queen and Slim. Uh, so we'll be talking about Star Wars again. Okay. <laughs> I'll call in. I have no problem. <laughs> Our classic is Death Trap. Uh, who dra- oh, Sydney Lament. That's right. Uh, I'd never seen it. Christopher Reeve is in it. Yes. And Michael Caine. Michael Caine. And then Back to the Future 2 turns 30. So... Not a lot of movies, but probably plenty to talk about. <laughs> so if you want me to call in, I can, but I've never seen Back to the Future. Really? Two or three. Wow. I've maybe <laughs> seen two once. Never. It's one of the, it's one of the great uh, Donald Trump parodies. Uh, yeah, with Biff. <laughs> I will say this again. Posters by Drew Struzan. Really? That's a classic you should have, and I'll come on for that. Uh, Drew, the man behind the poster. Oh. Everybody, that's a documentary you want to watch. Not this heavy metal bullshit. 
I like heavy metal. I'm not talking about heavy metal. In ge- I'm just talking about this that documentary. Movie. <laughs> Come on, feel the noise. How about that? Yeah, it's a dumb song, too. <laughs> My brother loved that song and Quiet Riot. That was what I thought it was because I saw the date. Quiet Riot had a documentary not that long ago. I'm like, why are you watching that? Because <laughs> the drummer is trying to find a singer. That's so Please, dumb. Uh, one of the if you Google "Come on, feel the noise," one of the things you find is a question. Is it one of the top searches? Is Slade Quiet Riot? No, no, they're not. <laughs> Slade is an entirely different band. <laughs> I'm so glad the internet was a, was not around when we were kids. Although fandom has always been garbage. True. I the, a little story for I don't know if uh, Bob knows this story. When I was in high school, I think it was my senior year. I there was a New Kids on the Block, you know, show in the Quad Cities or something. So I jokingly made a Humans Against New Kids <laughs> or Hank fan anti fan club. And put my post office box in the school newspaper, you know, send for your free membership kit or whatever. I got death threats from 12-year-old girls. <laughs> so it wasn't just Twitter that suddenly everybody was making death threats. It was the Lance from North Scott High School. That's funny. I once had a bunch of Adam Lambert people come after me for a long And I that wasn't even mean to him because I like Adam Lambert. I was just kind of like, well, hold, slow down. <laughs> it's not Freddie Mercury yet. And Literally writing a, a clickbait article and people just lose their I wasn't even writing. We had started doing clickbait because of this. Uh, but I, we were just like ranking, I don't know, something about people after American Idol. And I was like, well, Carrie Underwood, clearly the most successful. Kelly Clarkson after that. And Adam Lambert, people did. It wasn't even a matter of. What opinion it was a fax of you yeah. know, sold and they just ripped me a new one like i was saying he was the worst thing ever i'm like he's probably my favorite singer from the show don't get me wrong but they what had a daughtry daughtry yeah fuck him they had a message board and his website that dedicated to me it was ridiculous wow <laughs> fandom is garbage <laughs> The I clean get, stuff he does I'll is cool. I still get messages sometimes from Mad Max people going, "Why do you hate this?" I didn't. I didn't fucking hate it. What are you talking about? <laughs> but it did stand the test of time. You were wrong on that one. Uh, that is our show. Before I, we let you go, I want to thank our Patreon supporters at our character actor uh, the key grip level. We have Jason Bryant and Charlie Messing. At our character actor level, Cousin Jeff. You're welcome. Uh, thank you. Uh, Josh and Beth Paul and Christina Cato at the craft services level. Uh, Zach Kofmaker. <laughs> and then our special effects level, Corey Finneran and Sarah Morale. If you want to be a Patreon supporter, head over to IHateCritics.net slash Patreon uh, to get yourself a credit on the show. And then check out the merch tab, too, because hopefully we'll soon we'll be maybe over Christmas when I have the money. <laughs> You can, uh, we'll either get the Batman versus Jason, J- Batman versus Jesus. I was gonna say Jason. Now, why? <laughs> as cool as that would be, uh, Jesus is better. To, to get around copyright, we're gonna call him Bat Hero versus Jesus. Wait, <laughs> isn't, isn't Jesus an existing IP? Shouldn't we? <laughs> I think he's public domain. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> uh. Yeah, so we'll hopefully have get those in the works here. It's, it's Mexican Batman versus Jesus. It's a totally different thing. <laughs> Let's go watch The Lighthouse. It's really good. 
Uh, and yeah, otherwise, like the podcast, check us out on YouTube, uh, subscribe to the show, and give us thumbs up whenever you feel like it, even beyond the ones with the sex in the title. <laughs> I'm gonna on my YouTube or my website instead of my name. It's just it's gonna be like sexpanther.com <laughs> or something. Just put sex in the title. Yeah. But that's what that Adam Lambert thing I was talking about. Because we got so many hits off of it, the other guy I write with, he just started writing like Scarlett Johansson nude pick leak. And then people go click on it and goes, why are you here? You guys are idiots. And it was like, it's funny once or twice, but then it was just like, now you're just trying to get people to, you're pissing people off and we're losing what we're going for. <laughs> How much did he want a website dedicated to him? <laughs> And I'm not worried about saying that because there's no way he listens. <laughs> he fought me on the podcast idea forever. Oh, yeah? <laughs> uh, recently, you know that, that meme that's been going around with that lady screaming on yeah. the cat? He recreated one of those with his face on both sides of it trying to – because that's what he does. You guys should do one with Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Sean – Sean hold like standing behind uh, Josh like Kim, like he's Kim Richards, and you're the cat. Something about Star Wars. I will say Josh is getting harder to troll. Like he seems to care less. And like Jason Mollet has like all these like in the original toys in their packages from. Oh yeah, I've, yeah, we're he, friends. I've been watching. He's having his kids open them, and he's he's trying to get Josh upset. <laughs> Josh is, Josh is like, oh, that's cool. They're fucking Babylon 5. Nobody cares. <laughs> Sorry, Jason. What's a Babylon 5? I don't know. It's something, something from Queer as Folk. I don't know. That was the nightclub they went to was Babylon. For, your, for any other 20-year-old references, you know, just look me up. You guys want to play flick chart? You guys yeah, got to get yeah, out of here. It's good. been 90 minutes. I'm, I'm looking to skew your results. <laughs> All right. Suddenly Black Christmas is number one. It should be. I, that's why, <laughs> That's when you should have me on is when they do Black Christmas. I will come Are on and talk about that making it again? Yeah, they're yes. remaking it again. Except it's Bloomhouse, so the entire movie is in the trailer. Right. <laughs> and you know what? I I've, will make time to come back when, when the remake comes out. I'll come back and I'll talk all, all about the original because it's the best movie ever. I think we've done that before, but it's been a while. It's been a couple of years. Well, at least it's been at least five years. It was early I, on in the show. I did that yeah. when I was in New York. So, all right, Kung Fu Hustle, Mars Attacks, Mars Attacks, Kung Fu Hustle, on Mars Attacks. <laughs> He's winning already, isn't he? <laughs> Uh, best in show, be dazzled. Best in show. Best in show. Yeah. The movie's amazing. Jennifer Coolidge can do no wrong. D3, The Mighty Ducks, Commando. Commando. Yeah.